0: That's winds standing wins!
1: <laughs> professional Podcast
2: Drinking from, Drinking from Human, human skulls. skulls A Professional, human human skulls. Skulls. A professional, A professional Podcast, podcast.
3: Hello everyone, welcome once again to another episode of Drinking From Human Skulls. My name is Doni Cordoni, I'm your host, and we're going to be getting into some crazy happenings with a little app called Parlor. And before I get into my feelings on what exactly took place here, I want to give you a bit of a rundown. And I think the way I can do that is by reading this article on CNET. But before that, let's play this video that Fox News put together just introducing you to parlor mostly through the words of the ceo john matzy let's take a drink of this
4: uh, parlor is a paradigm shift when it comes to social media so the idea is that people uh, have the power on social media rather than the central authority of uh, the company of itself john
1: Mates is ceo of the social networking site parlor
5: parlor is a fun new social
1: media app in a field dominated by tech giants it provides a new and
4: unconventional choice. The idea is free speech, privacy, and data sovereignty. The idea that you own your own data and your own experience.
1: Mates compares the platform to a town square where people can engage without intervention. Conservatives have flocked to the site as an alternative to Facebook and Twitter, which they say censor their voices. How is speech more free on your platform than some of the others?
4: On Parler, when you say something, it goes out to everybody that's following you instantly and in the order that you've said it. Uh, other places don't do that, and they give preferential treatment to some content over others.
1: Parler does have a few rules, like banning communication to commit a crime. But here's what you won't see.
4: Censoring people like you would on Twitter and kicking them off like they did, you know, the New York Post.
1: Over the past two months and the election, parlor membership has exploded from four and a half million accounts to more than 12 million. Why do you think that is more than double?
4: I think recently it's become more clear to people the differences in social media, but it's, it's more of a movement.
1: One that has come with controversy. The flip side of free speech is that you get racist slurs, you get violent threats, you get pornography
4: any problem with that so things that are illegal in the united states are not allowed on the platform things that people don't like in society nasty racial slurs things of that nature that doesn't get picked up
3: Uh, so that was john matt ceo of parlor just a disclaimer before i get into anything else i'm gonna mispronounce this guy's name a few times in the podcast my sincerest apologies thank you very much okay so I want to point out that this video was produced on December 12th. And it's now mid-January. So a lot can change. Anyhow, let's read through this uh, CNET article. Here's the headline. Parlor offline following Amazon, Apple, Google bans over capital violence content. Subheadline reads, the app was used to help organize the Capitol Hill attack, pushing tech companies to reckon with the part they played in the riot. Okay. You know, depending on your point of view, that could be an accurate take. But let's read because it's a little twisted. The article starts, Amazon, Apple, and Google had banned the parlor social networking app from their services and app stores in the wake of Wednesday's attack on the U.S. Capitol by a mob of Trump supporters. Parler has been rife with violent comments since before the attack on the Capitol, and Apple and Google say they'll restore the app only when Parler moderates its service better. Parler chief executive John Matzi posted on his service late Saturday that Amazon had informed him it would no longer host his service on its Amazon Web Services platform. The move followed earlier announcements by Apple and Google that they removed the app from their respective app stores as well. Okay, so, I mean, it seems to me like it's a collusion. You can say it was um, due to their inability to moderate, but if you just continue the article, here's what John Matzi, the chief executive of Parler, had to say. And I quote, This was a coordinated attack by the tech giants to kill competition in the marketplace. Matzi wrote on Saturday, adding that his service had become too successful too fast he didn't initially address the platform's comparatively lax moderation rules or its use by extremists ahead of the Capitol Hill riot. He also didn't mention increasing concerns that social media apps, including Parler, were being used to organize another attack in the coming weeks. I just want to stop there and reflect, is it not possible that People were DMing and whatever and sending uh, their little rendezvous points on other social media apps, messaging apps, etc. This is just nonsense. We're talking about perhaps people who have been pushed to the fringe and have been banned from other social media apps and who are on Parler because they have nowhere else to go. And so Parler, you know, one of the ways, I guess, that they attract people is by saying we're not going to censor you. We still will draw a line apparently at violence. So this is where it gets a little hazy crazy because Parler thinks they're doing a fine job of that and the other side doesn't think they're doing a fine job of that. Anyway, let's keep reading the news here and see what else we can get into. On Sunday evening, Matzi added in a press statement that the company is working to improve moderation to remove prohibited content, such as posts that incite or threaten violence. Quote, Parler strives to bring people together and find common ground, peace and healing. We do not condone or accept violence on our platform, and we never will, Matsy said. Which I think is pretty fair, but, you know, it could be just lip service. Let's play both sides. As of Monday, Parler was offline. Matsey said in a statement late Sunday that Parler would be offline longer than expected because most of the app's vendors had dropped support following decisions by Amazon, Apple, and Google. Okay, so it's not just Amazon, Apple, and Google. On Saturday, Apple said in a statement that it had banned Parler from its App Store because the app failed to appropriately police content posted by users. Apple has always supported diverse points of view being represented on the App Store, but there is no place on our platform for threats of violence and illegal activity the company said parlor has not taken adequate measures to address the proliferation of these threats to people's safety we have suspended parlor from the app store until they resolve these issues so they seem to be leaving it open maybe this is all just a a misunderstanding (laughs) it could be misunderstanding people are scared they saw uh, a bunch of lunatics attacking the Capitol building on the 6th of January in 2021. And you know who knows, there was people who got killed. Maybe everyone's just a little bit afraid and they want to de-escalate and they think that this is a way to de-escalate. But it certainly does, if you read between the lines, look like a corporate collusion um, against a very up-and-coming social media app. So we'll just have to see. I think that if Apple does put it back on the store, I think Google will probably follow and who knows what Amazon will do. So it could be that they are given a chance here. And if they aren't given a chance, then we have to really, really follow this and see what happens. So let's just keep reading. The App Store is the only way to distribute apps to iPhones, so banishment poses a serious challenge to online services, though they can still be reached through websites. Apple's move followed Google's decisions on Friday to remove Parler's Android app from its Play Store for similar reasons. Let's see what Google had to say. Quote, we're aware of continued posting in the parlor app that seeks to incite ongoing violence in the United States, Google said. Google said, I mean, OK, what? Just the omnipotent voice of Google said, we recognize that there can be reasonable debate about content policies and that it can be difficult for apps to immediately remove violative content. But for us to distribute an app for the Google Play Store, we do require that apps implement robust moderation for egregious content. All right, we'll skip ahead a little bit. There's a disturbing trend where employees of companies are sort of speaking out against business dealings, and a lot of times it's politicized. This happened with Spotify protesting the Joe Rogan podcast, and now apparently it's happened with Amazon employees protesting the Parler app. Let's read. Matsey had posted warnings his app might be removed from Amazon's web services after a group of employees called on the company to act. We cannot be complicit in more bloodshed and violent acts on our democracy. Amazon employees wrote in a tweet. I want to read you this tweet. This is a tweet from uh, a a Twitter page called Amazon employees for climate justice. Amazon employees for climate justice. Oh, you mean the company that (laughs) is one of the biggest polluters in all of America. Are, Are you kidding me? (laughs) Okay, so take what they have to say with a grain of salt, but let's just listen to it because this is the kind of world we live in. They say enough is enough. Amazon posts Parler on AWS cloud services. As Amazon workers, we demand Amazon deny Parler services until it removes posts inciting violence, including at the presidential inauguration. We cannot be complicit in more bloodshed and violent attacks in our democracy. And that's dated January 8th, 2021. So that's two days after this attack on the Capitol, the insurrection. Once again, I just honestly to be living in a world where you can, without a shred of irony, form a group that says Amazon employees for climate justice. So that's what's happened. Obviously, we can dig deeper into that. There's all sorts of different things that we can listen to and different opinions we can sort of think about. I'll just quickly tell you where I stand on this for what it's worth. It seems to me like this is a corporate assassination of Parler. Certainly, we can't argue that there are people expressing opinions on Parler that may be less than sanguine. But can we not say that about other platforms and et cetera? And if it's a matter of just Maybe Parler needs a few weeks to get the resources in place to hire people to get the solution done. The fact that they're not allowing for that, the fact that they would send a message on a Friday and then ban them two days later. You're going to de-platform a platform over the weekend. It just doesn't make sense. It seems like it was just really rushed out. You know, Maybe they were really afraid that if they didn't take action soon, more violence would happen. Maybe. The fact is... People were doing this across all apps, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. I mean, especially if you consider the private messaging features of uh, all these apps. So what's the deal? It just seems like there's real hypocrisy here. I think these people exist on all platforms. And so if that's a constant and maybe people who have been banned from those platforms have also gone to Parler, they're forced to go there because they have no other platform. It could be that there's just a larger amount of this stuff happening on Parlor and growing pains and who knows? Are we not able to give them the benefit of the doubt? Or what if I wrote an article and published it online and just somehow a KKK group took over the comment thread of that article, or are those comments my responsibility? If you follow the same logic, then that's where we go. So. This is suppression of free speech, first of all, because I really think the reason why these people are so radicalized is because they've been pushed to the fringes, and it just so happens that Parler is the best app that they can get on that isn't one that they've been banned from. They've probably been banned from Facebook or Twitter, and a lot of them are on Parler because of that. So what do you expect to happen? You put all these neglected looney tunes in the same box and they're gonna start talking to each other listen i got empathy for these people they probably are out of work the majority of them they're probably living a very unhealthy lifestyle they thought trump was their savior obviously that's not the case and you know they really really still have that desire to reach out and connect with the community They've just kind of gone off the rails a little bit. I don't think that the majority of the people who have been pushed to Parler after being banned from these other apps, I don't think they're bad people. I think they're misguided. I think they're uninformed in some ways. And I think they've just been pushed into a corner. It just seems, honestly, that there's class warfare going on right now. It seems like you're either for science or you're against it. You're either for rational thinking or and good people, or you're against them. You're either anti-racism or you're racist. And the left is saying all these things, and they may well believe it. They think, they honestly think that everyone on the right is racist. They honestly think that everyone on the right doesn't believe in science. I think a lot of people, the core leftists, the core Democrats, I think they honestly believe in their tribe. They honestly believe that everyone on the right is sexist i think in their heart of hearts they believe that of course it's not correct of course it's wrong but i think they believe that and so when people reject being called sexist racist misogynists, etc. all the little labels that they get put on them. And they also get banned from those platforms for voicing their opinion in what they thought was a free and open public square, which it should be. And they get pushed to parlor and they get a little bit more fringy-wingy. And when you put all these people together, that's how conspiracies are born. I think all this is just to be expected and it's going to get worse and worse it seems to me for all those reasons that this is a planned coup in broad daylight and a monopolistic move. I think these companies colluded at the top, whether the collusion was overt or whether they were united in a particular worldview, it could be that They all saw what they thought were incitements to violence, which probably there were. And instead of giving Parler the benefit of the doubt, they assumed Parler was guilty of riling the crowd up themselves. I think that's really the accusation here. So we'll have to really wait and see what happens. I mean, you're not only silencing a business, you're just silencing all of the users who have invested their time in this platform. For it to be taken away because you have a bunch of loony people who are saying crazy stuff, well, that ain't fair, that ain't right. And by the way, Twitter The most direct competition here, they're also hosted by AWS Cloud Services. So before we get to the thoughts and opinions of a few other people who are out there uh, broadcasting, I want to just point out that this is still an ongoing case. There might be some stuff that emerges that will totally invalidate some of the thoughts that people are having. But I want to document what people are thinking right now. And also invite you, the listener, to go to my website, drinkingfromhumanskulls.com. Consider this a curation station. I'm really interested in creating a historical record of these events. These little micro events that go on throughout the year, I think if you're reading a history book of 2020, 2021, going back, it's going to be really hard to pick up on all the nuances. So I really want to document it and just see how that goes. So the first person I'm going to take a drink of here is Tim Poole, speaking on his IRL podcast. And if you don't know who Tim is, he's a great broadcaster who got his start actually covering years ago the Occupy movement. And since then, he's grown his YouTube channel and he's been on a bunch of other podcasts as a guest. Famously, he has been on a podcast with Joe Rogan and the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. Basically, he spent two plus hours calling him and his lawyer out on their I would say misconduct and here he is speaking on the parlor situation let's take a drink a lot of people said why would parlor use Amazon
6: web services that's that's such that's a dumb thing to do because of course they'll ban you that you, you need to find your own web you know uh, servers or, or web hosting gab which is also a microblogging platform created their own hosting system and they're building their own infrastructure so why would parlor? Use Amazon. In fact, I think it was the smartest thing they could have done because they had a contract with Amazon that if they're going to be terminated, they get 30 days, which is enough time for them to solve their problems and, and move to a new you know provider. Mm-hmm. But what happens now is Twitter was also using Amazon. Hmm. So what do we get in this lawsuit? It's fascinating. Parler says recently Amazon signed a multi-year hosting deal with Twitter then Parler is fast becoming the number one competition for Twitter. Amazon bans Parler. So there's clearly a conflict of interest and a benefit for Amazon's large, massive and valuable multi-year contract partner. But here's what they say. They claimed Parler wasn't enforcing their rules. more specifically, they said, we don't believe they will enforce their rules. There was, I think, something like 60. I could be wrong. There was a small handful of posts that were inciting violence. Parler said in the suit, we remove them all immediately because they violate our rules. We do not allow incitement to violence. It is illegal. At the same time, when Amazon gave them 24 or, or, or so hours to, re- to move their entire platform, violating, breaching the contract they had with them, Hang Mike Pence was trending on Twitter and Twitter did nothing. And Amazon said nothing. No public statement, no threats to Twitter, nothing. We're also hearing that you know, they're trying to claim that these people at the Capitol were organizing on Parler. Glenn Greenwald said, that's not true. They organized on Facebook. Where was anyone going after Facebook? At this point, it should be obvious to everybody what's going on. We've seen it before with Patreon. This is really fascinating. When Patreon banned a bunch of people, they all flocked to Subscribestar, which was a competitor to Patreon. So what happened? Payment processing companies, I think like PayPal and Stripe, Mm -hmm. immediately severed services to Subscribestar, which shows... What they're really trying to do is to protect their monopolistic power in Silicon Valley. There's no reason to ban Parler. It was a lie. It has nothing to do with threats. They just grab a few screenshots and they post them. But I tell you what, I can go on Twitter right now and probably, probably find 10,000 d- death threats and violence. And I'll add one more to the layer. While this is going on, I have personally filed several complaints to Twitter over Let's just call it extremely abusive content directed at me and they have not removed it. Can I now demand that Amazon ban Twitter? Because I have been trying to get stuff taken down that directly threatens me and 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 I'm gonna leave out specific details as to what these posts are. But they are some of the it's 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 bordering uh, I I don't want to say too much. I don't want to reveal too much about what's going on and why I'm having to report people. But it's serious. It's very serious threats.
3: Hmm. So there's Tim. Obviously, he's active on social media. He's been paying attention for a long, long time, and he's calling out some of the hypocrisy. His story is not an isolated one. There are plenty of people who are used and abused on every social media platform, and there are plenty of cases where people have not been silenced or banned fast enough. And there are also plenty of cases, I'm sure, where it can be debated. Should they be banned or should they not be banned? And of course, Tim also pointing out early on in that clip that maybe there's a little business finagling going on. And maybe Parler actually put themselves in a position where they could be ambushed. And now they're taking legal action. Very interesting tale this is turning out to be. <laughs> hey guys, it's me, Donny, the host of Drinking from Human Skulls. The world is coming to an end, you don't have a job, and you're bleeding your parents dry. Pretty soon, everyone you know and love is going to die in nuclear war. That's why this is the perfect time to donate to Drinking From Human Skulls, a professional podcast. Just visit DrinkingFromHumanSkulls.com and click the donate button to get started. And if you can't afford to donate, click on anything that looks like an ad. Doing so will help me and your corporate overlords. Why let your money disintegrate in a mushroom cloud when you could support the Drinking from Human Skulls podcast? Now, let's get back to the show. Uh. Well, speaking of addressing those malicious type of posts on Twitter, actually, Twitter did do that recently. Um, They banned 70,000 accounts, according to their own blog, all of them having to do with QAnon. So let's read what they say in a quote from the Twitter blog. Since Friday, more than 70,000 accounts have been suspended as a result of our efforts, with many instances of a single individual operating numerous accounts. These accounts were engaged in sharing harmful QAnon-associated content at scale and were primarily dedicated to the propagation of conspiracy theories across the service. So I guess Tim was wrong. Twitter is addressing (laughs) some of the things that they see as damaging of course i think this is just anti-free speech you know people tweeting something like hey trust the plan isn't it obvious what's going on here it just seems to me like they're trying to cover their ass they want to be able to say look parlor is the place where this is happening not on twitter we're taking action we're doing blog posts we're blocking all of the crazy loony loons And it just so happens that they're doing it on Facebook as well. They've recently blocked a ton of accounts, including Tim Poole's Facebook group. And he's come out and said that he's just going to abandon Facebook. I think it's a great idea. And a few months back, they banned Dave Smith. He's a libertarian podcaster and comedian. Really, really fantastic. And recently, they banned a conservative Facebook group called Walk Away. I think they had half a million members It was basically people walking away, quote-unquote, from the Democratic Party. I don't think it had a lot of vitriol and hate on their platform, but they were banned anyways. So then we have Dave Smith and Robbie the Fire Bernstein on their podcast, Part of the Problem. They're a couple of libertarians, and they got some very interesting points here to consider. Dave Smith calling it the biggest antitrust Case in American history, and that's really saying a lot. So let's take a drink of this and see what they have to say.
7: This, this is the strongest argument for monopolistic practices, I believe, in the history of the country, where you have not only do you have these like three or four big firms that are colluding to silence voices that they don't like, but now. When somebody else comes along and goes, well, we don't want to silence those voices, they are all gonna to collude to shut down that company's ability to compete. Now, I'm not suggesting that government, you know, that that some type of government intervention here is gonna be the solution. I'm very skeptical of that. I'm just acknowledging that this is something different. And this is and, and for people to just like, you know, dismiss these concerns, I think is like incredibly short-sighted
8: um so just uh, on that note of hey do we are we looking for government intervention here i don't know if this is true but i read i think it was i i think it might have been parlor or the what's the other one gab so Mm -hmm. i'm not sure which one this is true for but not only were they all dropped at exactly the same time which means that like you said the three of them are colluding their lawyers dropped them as well That's crazy. In other words, your legal team that you would have in place to go fight this for you says, we're not representing you anymore, which sounds to me like that's more than just the threat of these tech companies, that this is a government move. I mean, I don't know quite the relationship between the tech companies and government, but if you don't think that this isn't coming from the Democratic Party cracking down. And this claim, and this is an important point. The claim that they made was that uh, there were violent things said on Parler that Parler didn't remove go look at twitter today how many violent claims are on twitter how many death threats exist on twitter twitter's not being pulled down because of random users making claims it's not happening
3: so it would seem that a few different parties agree that the forces that are behind this whatever they are we can wager our conspiracy theory bets but Whatever's behind this doesn't seem to be applying its rules fairly, and if it's just the social media cabal, well, what's their motivation? Could it be just money? Could it be power? Could it be control? Could it be that the governments are working with them together? And when I say governments, I mean the establishment governments. And by the way, that probably is people existing on both sides, left and right, not just Democrats on the left and... Republicans on the right, I think the establishments are the people who recognize what it takes to get power and recognize what it takes to control the situation so that they can remain in power. Well, let's check back in with the CEO of Parler, John Matz. He came on uh, Tucker Carlson's show. Tucker Carlson, of course, is a host on Fox News. He used to be on CNN. I think he's kind of a center-right kind of guy. I always thought he looked like a bit of a cartoon character when he was on CNN. I was a bit younger then. I didn't know what was really going on in the world, and now I know a lot more. He seems to be quite fair, although a little bit sensationalist. I guess that comes with the territory. But let's check in and see uh, what they have to say. Take a drink of this. Ooh.
2: No one thought that Jeff Bezos could silence an entire political movement in an instant simply because he thought they were expressing inconvenient views. But last night, that's exactly what Jeff Bezos did, and Parlor went dark. Whoa. What's next? You will likely find out soon. John Matsey is the CEO of Parlor. We're happy to have him on the show tonight. John, thanks so much for coming on. I have to start at the end and ask you if it, since you built this application as a kind of Safe space for freedom of speech. Did you ever imagine that Amazon
4: Web Services could or would shut you down in an instant? Thank you for having me on. I've theorized about it. You know, we've definitely theorized about it. You, you just never think it'll happen, though, right? You, you know, and what's really interesting is uh, that they all did it on the same day. Those three, without any prior warning, we woke up on Friday thinking business. Well, not, never business as usual, parlor but at least as close to usual as possible. We were number one on the app store. We, we, you know, we had seven million, almost seven million unique people on the app that day. And we get a notice, you know, you're in violation of our terms, one after another. But we found out first, in some cases, not from the companies, but from Buzzfeed. You know, we didn't get a notice from Google. We read it online in the news first. And uh, that is shocking. And then after they set that example, you know, we get an email after email. You know, it's almost like you, you were just waiting. Who's going to be next? Dumping us, everybody. The last thing we have right now is email. And I bet you within 24 hours, our email will be shut off, too.
2: I just got to ask you because I can't because I think this is a referendum on American society and where we are and where we're going. The left used to stand up for civil liberties. The famously moderate Joe Manchin approves of this. Apart from Glenn Greenwald and Michael Tracy, God bless them both, I haven't seen any liberals stand up to say, wow, this is really scary.
4: Have you? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people say that this is scary, but I've also seen a lot of people who are participating in the five minutes of hate and kind of egging it on and cheering. And it's disgusting. People threatening my life. I can't go home tonight. So there's th- this is really a lot. You know, this is not just... You know, our civil liberties, they can shut down a billion dollar company, half a billion to a billion yeah. dollar company. Is what we were getting valuations at overnight. Are you going to be back up soon? We will be back up eventually because we're not going to give up. But it, it t- soon is difficult. You know, I thought immediately, oh, no problem. We'll call up a new vendor. Right. We call up the vendor. We're all good to go. And then right at the last second, sorry, somebody said something we can't host you by. And it's been that one after another ever since then. Right at the last minute, they just they just bail. So we're going to do it. We're going to be back online one day and hopefully soon and as soon as possible. But this is a real challenge. We have to build our own infrastructure, our own everything in order to yep. do it.
2: Pirate radio, digital pirate radio, dark web.
4: I hope so. I hope That's we're out
2: of time. Like. But I hope, John, you'll come back. You will come back with a list of every corporate coward who bowed to pressure to silence you and seven million other people on parlor you can bet i will and no no, almost 20
4: million people now almost 20 million and yes i will
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I, I won't forget this day great to see you john thank you Uh...
3: Mm. well there it is straight from the horse's mouth quite a harrowing tale getting death threats is always no good who knows if what those are and what context they exist in but certainly not a good thing And at the end of that segment, you might have heard Tucker asking if John would come back with a list of those companies that have boycotted the parlor service. Well, it just so happens that another glorious podcaster, two of them actually from the No Agenda podcast, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, have come up with a list. And it is quite shocking to behold. So let's run that clip. Take a big drink of this.
7: Yeah, well, <laughs> I am putting, I'm going to put together a list. Well, here, I think we should. Here's we, a list. I, I, have a, uh, I have the start of a list. We need a listicle. Yes, listicle. All right. Amazon is on the list. Uh, the professional golf. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean they are? This, I, I'm back to companies that uh, are helping with the purge. Okay. Amazon. I was thinking, we're, we're, yeah, you're right. Amazon has to be on the list. Well, they they, they, they killed got into parlor the, uh, Yeah, parlor. Right. Okay, Amazon. I'm gonna I'm gonna write some of these. Here we down. go. Professional golf association of America. As you know, they're pulling away all the twenty twenty-two PGA championship games from Trump face bags. Lowe's Hotel. I'm gonna put that on there. Yeah, okay, put Lowe's on there. We need categories. And this will be a reverse green book. So this instead of this being the book of friendly places where African Americans are places uh, to stay. avoid. These are places to avoid. Exactly. We're making it we're making our own book. Twitter, a Shopify, which is that's that that is more than a web shop. That is a financial deplatforming. Needs a checkbox for financial plat- deplatforming. I didn't know that Shopify had done anything. Oh yeah, they took all anything with Trump merchandise stores, all gone. Removed immediately. Oh that then you have to uh, Stripe has to be on. That Stripe list. is right is next, that's right. Also uh, payments, uh, Reddit. Has been cutting off uh, subreddits, Snapchats. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, like Reddit being on there. It's not like a store or something you can board. It's interesting in light of $300 million worth of Chinese investment in the past year. So, yes, keep ah, them on the list. Okay. China's Chai uh Snapchat, uh, Twitch, Lehigh University, Wagner College middlebury college and i believe harvard students are now calling for any student who has a degree from harvard who has supported trump not not went not an insurrectionist just supported trump to invalidate their diplomas <laughs> <laughs> american express yeah who will no longer support any congressional member who voted against certifying the election uh, mastercard who well, they now, do They will be cutting off donations to any politician who tried to hold up the count of the electoral college votes. That's, that's, MasterCard is a big deplatforming. And Stanley has cut off donations to any congressional member who voted against certifying the election. That's, that's, at least they're doing it out in the open. We know how it works, but at least you're you're fair about it. Uh, The New York State Bar Association, who are going to be investigating Giuliani and banish him from uh, the group, TNT. No more donations for Republicans, including 17 uh, Texas state Republicans and our your boy Cruz, Beard Boy. And they they want to end Citizens United. So, you know, that's a pretty, pretty big group. So they're all basically deplatformed from that. Comcast will be cutting off Republicans who fought the election results. Now, Comcast are big when it comes to financial Uh, donations because that is nbc universal nbc tv uh, the nbc local stations yeah and they could and you could just see local stations being discouraged from giving any type of coverage for political campaigns or anything of the like and remember these are your representatives these are not just uh, little douchebags who uh, could be de-platformed. Your rep- it's you. It's your representation in Congress that's being deplatformed. Dow Chemical. What cut, did Dow do? Cutting off any Republican who did not support Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, no political contributions to Republicans who tried to stop the certification of the Electoral College. Marriott International and all of its sub-brands. I also uh, understand Starwood. Starwood, yes. And they are cutting off the GOP. I don't know what that means, probably donations, but who knows? Uh, because of, quote, destructive events at the Capitol, which undermined a legitimate and fair election. Scrap Marriott off the list. I'm not going to stay with them anymore. Hallmark, your cards are shitty anyway. Cumulus, well, we know, although uh, there's dispute now whether that memo went out that Ben Shapiro couldn't talk about certain things. I think it's true. And that's the start of a list. Oh uh, wait! Well, don't forget Air- we Forbes. Oh yes, well, Forbes Ford Motor Car. I'm going to give Ford a pass because they they didn't really do anything. Well, how did they get mixed up in the? How did they get mixed up in everything? They said that they were looking into it. Well, oh. it was it was just a virtue signaling. Hey, I, we we we're concerned. We're looking into it. They didn't do anything. And uh, Apple Computer needs to be on the list. Yeah, I'm afraid so. It's just the beginning.
3: Um. Yeah, so that was a crazy list of all of the different companies that are coming out against, I guess you could say people on the right, but it seems like mostly Trump supporters. And if you're like me, I think that Trump actually wasn't really a Republican. He just kind of hijacked the Republican Party to become president. Look, Donald Trump is the first anti-establishment president. That doesn't mean he was a, uh, a good president. That doesn't mean he's a good guy. Doesn't mean he's the savior or the future savior of America or anything like that. But he was certainly not part of the establishment, as we can see from this latest political assassination against him. But it's clear to me to see. And I'm not a right-ling, loony-tuny-tuny, but I can look at social media and say, yeah, They're either in the pocket of the Democratic establishment or the establishment at large, or they're left-leaning. You know, it could be both. Well, now I want to bring it to a guy named Ira Glasser, who you may or may not have heard of, but he's sort of a champion of free speech. He's a guy who was the executive director of the ACLU, which is the American Civil Liberties Union from 1978 to 2001. And that seems like a long time to hold that position, but okay, at least he's very focused on the issues of free speech. And he has some relevant things to say about that in an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast. So let's take a drink of that.
4: You, you've always been a staunch advocate for free speech, even when that speech is hate speech. And uh, that's that's a very – it's a difficult argument for people to have in this day and age because people want to ban hate speech. They want to ban right. people from talking. You've always been an an advocate for free speech and saying that like, e- even though it seems like it's a good idea to ban these ideas or to ban people discussing these things, in fact, it actually turns out to be a terrible idea.
0: Well – You see, when people say they want to ban hate speech, what they mean is they want to ban the speech that they hate. Yes. But if you allowed something called hate speech to be banned, then the only important question would be who decides. And again, if the government is going to be the one to decide what hate speech to ban, it's not going to be the same speech As the speech you hate. It's going to be the speech they hate. Think if, again, for liberals who are very hot these days about banning hate speech, what they mean is they want to ban speech that is bigoted against people based on skin color or based on sex or based on religion. That's what they mean by hate speech. But what I always ask liberals is, well, What makes you think you're going to have the power to decide what's hateful? You're never the ones who are going to have the power. What would happen if the guy who decided what speech to hate and ban was Joe McCarthy? He would have banned your speech. What if it was Giuliani who tried unsuccessfully when he was mayor of New York to ban art in the Brooklyn Museum of Art that he didn't like? because he thought it was disrespectful of his religion. And he hated that speech. Now, the speech he hated wasn't the same speech that I hated. The speech he hated wasn't the same speech as as liberals or progressives hated. But he was the one who got to decide, not they. And that's, you know, that's the problem. That's really why hate speech cannot be a category that is allowed to ban, because it all depends on who's going to decide. And what they hate is not going to be the same as what you hate. In the 1990s, there was a big move on a lot of college campuses to ban hate speech. And what they meant by that is they wanted to ban racist speech. And a lot of black students were in favor of it. And I, I was then at the head of the ACLU, and I used to go around speaking to these audiences. And I had a, a very substantial reputation as being an advocate for racial justice. And affirmative action and, and and all that. So I was sort of on their side and they knew that in terms of the substance. But I, used, I didn't preach to them about the First Amendment. I used to ask those black students, if you succeed in getting your university to ban hate speech, what do you think is going to happen next? Do you think you're going to be the ones to decide or do you think the board of trustees is going to be the ones to decide? And the board of trustees are white, and the board of trustees don't share your politics. And the truth of the matter is, if, if there had been hate speech codes on college campuses in the 1960s, their most frequent victim would have been Malcolm X, not David Duke. And the kids would look at me like they had never thought of it that way. But that's the problem. The problem is always who gets to define what's hateful, and who gets to decide what to ban? And it isn't often going to be the ones who advocate for these codes. You know, the same thing happened in England in 1973 when, when the National Student Union banned hate speech, banned racist speech from college campuses in, in England. And a group of Zionist kids who were among the uh, leaders of the National Student Movement at the time were all for that. And then a few years later, a very few years later, the the, the students changed. There were different students deciding, and they decided to ban a Zionist speaker on the grounds, they, they said, that Zionism was a form of racism. Well, the Zionist kids who had supported those hate speech bans, they didn't think that Zionism was a form of racism. But a few years later, a majority of the National Student Union did so think. And so the very hate speech bans that these kids supported ended up being used against their own speakers. There are hundreds of examples like that. And the reason why these bans don't work is is that nobody can define what hate speech is, and it all ends up coming down to who decides. And most often... It ain't you.
3: So there's our Glasser on hate speech and why you can't really ban it and it makes all kinds of sense. You don't really want to centralize that power of speech because then you get 1984 and it's kind of feeling a little bit like that right now. But this guy is wise. He's been in the field for a long time. I don't agree with everything he had to say in this episode, but he did make some great points. And he also even went uh, as far as to describe his relationship with people who he didn't agree with. He forged friendships with people who he was forced to debate with over the years. And I think that just is something we really need to latch on to. The fact that even if we don't agree with each other, we have to be able to talk to each other. We have to be able to work with people who don't have the same views as us, and we ultimately want to have that conversation so we can pull people towards the center. There's a great quote by Eisenhower, who, when he was president, was accused of being too tied to the center. He said, the middle of the road is all the usable surface. The extremes right and left are in the gutters. And although I didn't agree with everything that Eisenhower did policy-wise, you can look back and see there was some blunders there, but I think his sentiments here make a lot of sense. We should be pulling people towards the center, and how can we do that if we're not even allowed to have a discourse, if we're simply silencing and putting out of sight, out of mind, thoughts and ideas that we don't like? I think there's a class divide I think there's a intellectual superiority complex on the left. They think that they know best. They think that they are the arbiters of what is right, rational, and reasonable, and scientific. And that is just not true. They have become corrupted, unfortunately. And there are many, many instances of people who are not existing on the left who are bringing fantastic scientific breakthroughs to the forefront and who are saying things that make all kinds of sense but to completely discredit them and put them aside is to deny any sort of evolution of people's worldviews i think about megan phelps roper who used to be in the Westboro Baptist Church. And for those who don't know what the Westboro Baptist Church is, they're a bunch of heinous hate mongers who hate gay people. They hate all other races except for the white ones, I guess. So that's the kind of crazy stuff they do. Anyways, Megan Phelps Roper, she famously left the church. Her story is pretty well documented. She actually left because she was de-radicalized on Twitter. Hello! Hello! So she was on Twitter getting de-radicalized publicly in private DMs. And, you know, now she's on, and this is a real joke, the Twitter, what's it called? The Twitter's Trust and Safety Council. And she, according to Wikipedia, works with law enforcement agencies to combat extremist groups. So, I don't know what her specific role is on the Twitter Trust and Safety Council, but there ain't much trust right now, it would seem. And I don't know how much safety there is either, because people are at each other's throats on Twitter all the time, at least from my um, observation. I'm not that active on Twitter. I might have to be to (laughs) to promote this podcast. I sincerely hope I don't have to do too much, though. The point is that Megan Feltz Roper was... On the fringes, she was active on Twitter, and she was pulled a little bit towards the center, and she was de-radicalized. So the point is, when they ban platforms, and when they ban people from platforms, and they push into the fringes, this de-radicalization can happen. And so, obviously, Megan Fells Roper is a famous case of this. I wonder how many, and if there's anyone who's even documented how many success stories there are and there's another guy named Daryl Davis who has had his story documented about how he engaged with KKK members and Daryl Davis is himself a black man but he engaged with KKK members asking them why they wanted to stay in that cult and just asking them questions and conversing with them over time, meeting with them again and again. And eventually he de-radicalized several members. According to one article by NPR, 200 Ku Klux Klan members because of this man's interventions. The point is, their conversation in whatever context it was allowed to carry on, it wasn't stifled. He conversed with these KKK members out in the open in public spaces where he was able to meet them. When you ban people from these public spaces, which I think social media platforms are, you are reducing the amount of more public and open conversations they can have, which are subject to the scrutiny of all others around us. And here's the deal. I want to reduce people fighting online because I think Twitter might be a fun platform if people had even just 25% more reservations. Hey guys, it's me, Donnie. Head to drinkyfromhumanskulls.com to join my mailing list. I'll send you my newest episodes and my hottest selfies. See you there. There's a lot of problems that exist on social media. I think that tribalism is part of the equation. It's just that this issue is so nuanced. There's many ways that people communicate. There's many languages. I mean, somebody could be speaking the most wild stuff in Iranian, and I wouldn't have a fucking clue what they're talking about. They could be talking, talking about me specifically and how they want to come and steal my entire family. And I, it wouldn't land because I don't understand what language they're saying. Do you see what I mean? So there's the variable of language. There's a variable of humor. There's a variable of fake anonymous accounts. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot... Also at stake for people because it seems like everyone wants to grow their following to attain some sort of a leadership status in the Twitter sphere, I guess, for lack of a better word. So anyway, with all these different variables um, in mind, I don't think banning people off of platforms and now as we've seen banning entire platforms, I just don't know if it's a good idea. Now, there is the analogy of perhaps considering the beer halls in Germany where we had fascist (laughs) uprisings being planned. We had Hitler and he met his little cohort of uh, Nazi followers and they groomed each other over beer and many conversations in these beer halls. So maybe the banning of parlor. And by the way, I don't think that the average person making this decision when it comes to Twitter and the tech companies, I don't think they're this well informed. I don't think they could make that analogy. I don't think they know what they're doing. But is it possible that this is sort of the same thing happening on Parler? People are apparently insurrectionists. I don't know how seriously they should really be taken. But if you really think that they are planning an insurrection, it would make sense to ban this platform and it would be something that if they had prevented these late night beer hall conversations, could we have prevented World War II? It's just something kind of neat to think about. Could the banning of Parlor actually be a genius move that prevents uh, a civil war in America, which a lot of people are talking about at this time in early 2021 a lot of people are seriously talking about and having conversations about the possibility of a civil war in america which is wild who knows what a modern day civil war looks like when you take the grand scope of munitions just the (laughs) <laughs> the plethora of choices that people would have to arm themselves with. I don't know how that would play out because in every city there's left and right people. So what the heck happens then? Do they just start fighting amongst each other in the city? Or... That sounds horrendous to me. So maybe the, the banning of Parler, yeah, there's some wisdom there. I think it's an attack on free speech, but could it also be a deft prevention of disaster. I think we have to account for that line of thinking. We can't just say, oh my God, the tech overlords are taking over and they are taking over. But that's not the entire thought, is it? And this is kind of a problem that I see happening very often today. It seems to me that people are very black and white these days and very unable to think in terms of nuance and the different variables that are to be considered in every single line of thinking. There's often not a clear A and B choice for issues when you're discussing them. Stealing is wrong. Okay, well, what about stealing from a very large corporation with an endless bank account and you're a very poor person? Mm, Is it a little murky now? What about if you're homeless and you haven't eaten in three days and you happen to take an apple from a fruit stand? Is it a little gray? Can we have a clear A and B? Yes, that's right. No, that's wrong. So I think you see my point. And this inability to think in a nuanced way is largely tribalist. Let's just say every issue has that, an A or a B, a left or a right. So if you're trying to gain a following and if you're trying to establish yourself as a thought leader on the left or on the right, well, then you have to hit those left, right points really hard. You know, look at these blue checkmark fools on Twitter. They're saying the right things for the party line of the left wing because that's where Twitter has basically said that's where we are. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Look on parlor, and you're going to see the same thing on the right. Not that there's anything wrong with that either. But here's the deal. How is it that people are not able to think nuance? These teams reward you. And I think on social media, the reward is more followers. We've got tribalism. We've got corporate influence. We've got people's inability to think in a nuanced way. We've got people's inability to discern what's a joke, what's not a joke. We've got the fact that people can be anonymous on these platforms for the most part. So there's a lot of things muddling the view of this. And I think there probably should be some formal attempt at a hierarchy of what's most important all the way down to what's least important. And then there should be some attempt to solve these problems. You know, free speech should always be allowed. But... Are there limits on that incitement to violence? I think I would agree. But think of why people are inciting the violence. Either they're insane, which is another variable we could probably add to the mix. And quite a lot of insane people do a lot of violence. So that's not an attack on the mentally ill. Would it be safe to say that Hitler probably had some mental health issues? I've seen a lot of video of the guy. He doesn't seem quite all right. But then again, he supposedly was high on meth, cocaine, and heroin all the time. So it's not just Parler. You might have heard of the uh, app called Gab. I heard they were banned as well. So here's what it says on Wikipedia. It says, In December 2016, Apple Inc. declined Gab's submission of his app to the iOS App Store, citing pornographic content as the reason. Ew, gross. At the same time, Twitter had also cut off Gab's access to the Twitter API without specifying a reason. A revised version of the app blocked pornography by default and was also rejected for violating Apple's rules on hate speech. Eh. Gab launched its Android app, for Google Play Store in May 2017. Later on that year, on August 17th, Google removed Gab's app from the Play Store for violating its policy against hate speech, stating that the app did not demonstrate a sufficient level of moderation, including for content that encourages violence and advocates hate against groups of people. On September 14th, and by the way, if you're not noticing, this sounds like a very similar tale to me. But on September 14, 2017, Gab filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google, but dropped the suit on October 22nd, 2017, in favor of lobbying Congress to take action against monopolist tech giants. In early October 2018, Gab's Stripe account was suspended due to adult content on Gab. Huh. Stripe, for those of you who don't know, is a very big payment uh, processor. That means they couldn't accept monies anymore. Then on October twenty seventh, 2018, which was the day of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting, PayPal, GoDaddy, and Medium terminated their relationship with Gab, and PayPal released a statement that it had done so based on its review of accounts that may engage in perpetration of hate, violence, or discriminatory intolerance. Later on that same day, Gab announced on Twitter that Joyant, Gab's hosting provider, would terminate their services on October 29th 9 a.m., Eastern Time. The tweet said that the site expected to be down for weeks. Stripe and Backblaze also terminated their services with Gab after the shooting. And after the site was taken down, Gab's homepage was changed to the message saying it was down due to being under attack and being systematically no-platformed. Whoa. Systematically no-platformed. So anyway, long story short, they did the same thing with Gab in 2016 and 2018, and Gab was able to get another host and you know get someone to sell them the domain name, that kind of stuff. Uh, here's the thing about Gab. I-, I think it's a lot of people who are way out there, and some of the stuff that they share around and believe, they use this platform because they consider it a safe haven. And if it's only one group of people doing a little circle jerk on their bad ideas getting worse and worse and worse, well, then you're just going to get a growing contingent of real, real loony people. And in fact, I just heard Dan Carlin speak about this on his podcast. Let's actually clip him because the way he says this, what I heard is like, that's it right there.
5: I mean, if you don't believe the idea that the, uh, that the extreme right is prone to paranoid and conspiracy ideas i mean look at the traitor mania that's going on right now it is positively french revolutionary in its reign of terror like qualities and by that i mean the second anybody steps out of line from the status quo from the from the line of orthodoxy all of a sudden a person who may have been manning the guillotine one second ago the the, the mob calls for them to be you know, strap to it and have their head chopped off. Hang Mike Pence. Remember that? Five seconds after Mike Pence is 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 an ally, and they do this I mean that's Robespierre, right? Gets gets his head cut off by the very reign of terror that he helped, you know, inspire and take part in. We're seeing that again. History is a wonderful, isn't it a wonderful gauge to look at and go, wow, you know, the costumes change, the background sets change, but those human beings in the story are remarkably consistent. There are new variables. Like we said, the Internet is a new variable. It's a lot easier to spread a paranoid conspiracy message online than it used to be. The president himself is almost a representative of the times he's like the conspiracy believer in chief i mean trump has always been a conspiracy guy remember the 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 fake birth certificate barack obama not born in this country and he i mean he was doing that long before he was president now there's two ways of looking at this aren't there either he believes it or he doesn't if he believes it well he's a paranoid conspiracy monger himself if he doesn't believe it he is a manipulator of the public consciousness and the tools that he uses for manipulation are like throwing gasoline on those glowing embers of American extremism that are always hot and just one step away from igniting again. Either way, do you want to talk traitors? That sounds like a traitor to me, not to join the
3: traitor mania of the moment. Uh, So, um, that's Dan Carlin's take. And I think he kind of spells it out real nice. Couldn't have said it better myself. This is just another one of the layers of the issue here. Well, folks, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to be following this closely. I really want to take a historian's approach to this and and really curate what's going on, because I find that the most helpful history programs are the ones that consider the events in between the big events. It's not that I wouldn't call this a big event, but if you were to take 2020 as a whole, the banning of Parler, I don't think it even makes the top 10. But it's a huge, huge event. And I guess maybe if you're going to take the history of the whole coronavirus period, we'll say not just 2020 because that's spilling over into 2021. Anyhow, we'll leave it there and uh, we'll come back to this. As I said, please, uh, if you're hearing this absolutely get in touch my webpage is drinking from human leave a comment send me an email join a mailing list i think i'll have a, a button to donate do that if you can i guess and later on i'll have like a formal maybe a patreon or or whatever platform i don't i'm just not sure if i if i trust these platforms anymore you know what i'm saying <laughs>